Well, I also say to you, good morning. It is good to see you. Uh, it has been a good time of worship so far. Amen. Uh, Miss Rebecca and Miss Tanya, thank you all so much for setting the tone right off the bat. This morning, if you would turn with me to the book of 3 John, as we continue to be excited this morning, as we continue praising and worshiping God, we will do it through hearing His Word, and then I pray also by being obedient to His Word. This morning we are starting a new book. Um, some of y'all are thinking, man, Brother Zach loves these Johns. How many more books of John are there? This is the last one. Uh, Third John, this is the last letter that we have uh, that he specifically wrote as a personal letter. We're not going into Revelation right now. But it is important that we recognize the nature of 3 John as being a personal letter. Why is that important? Because there are some things that we will read in 3 John that may not seem as clear to us. And you think, well, why didn't John just spell that out more clearly? Why didn't he just put that in really plain language? Because John, although being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words... He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write Holy Scripture, but he was also writing a personal letter. It will be very apparent in just a moment that he was. And so just like you, when you're talking to uh, your best friend, you say, Hey, you remember that time that we took the boat out and, and ran into that stump? And, and you don't have to go in detail because you both know exactly what you're talking about. Well, there are some things like that in Third John. And so some of these things we have to try and interpret exactly what John meant. And, of course, that's always important in Scripture, that we look at the author's intent and not what we want it to mean. So look with me. Let's read the introduction to the letter, verses 1 through 4. It says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly. When the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So what do we see here in this introduction? We see several things that will be important for us. We see, first off, uh, the writer. Who is sending this letter? And John doesn't refer to himself as John, just like he did in Second John. He refers to himself as the elder. And I won't spend too much time on that because we, we talked about it at length from Second John. But, but I gave the analogy that that would be like if I were to send you a text message, you got a text, text message from me. Instead of me starting the message saying, hey, this is Zach or hey, so-and-so, if, if I started the text message and said, as your pastor, dot, 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 whatever follows after that hits just a little bit differently, doesn't it? If I start that saying, as your pastor, I'm asking you to so-and-so, or as, as the pastor, I'm, I'm requesting that you would do this. And so John is writing that way. Not only is Gaius a friend of his, but Gaius is someone that he counts as one of the sheep that the Lord has given him uh, authority to teach and to guide and, and trusted to him. And so he's writing in that manner as a pastor, but he's also writing as a friend to a dearly loved friend. And we see that clearly in this introduction and all throughout the letter, in verse 1 it's clear. He says, the elder, so that's John, writing to the beloved Gaius. And he starts by saying, whom I, and he emphasizes I, whom I love in truth. 
And then in verses 1, 2, 5, and 11, he refers to Gaius as beloved or beloved, which can also mean dear friend. And so he, he, he calls this man his dear friend uh, several times. Each time that he's addressing him personally, he calls him beloved, right? One that I love, dear friend of mine. And then I love in verse 2 in, in this personal letter, he's not just giving some instructions or some commendation because of some things that Gaius have done, but he also lets Gaius know that he's been praying for him. And I, and I love to see that. It's been a challenge to me this week as I've studied this text to think about my friends. I know that some of you, if I, if I write on your uh, Facebook wall for your birthday... I always tell you that I'm praying for you, and I am. On your birthday, if I recognize it's your birthday, I pray for you. But we see uh, John here. John didn't have Facebook. Y'all didn't know. Uh, but he thinks he's thought about Gaius, and he's praying. And, and I want to stop for just a moment. It's not a main point in the text, but I just wanted to challenge you this way this week as I've been challenged this way. Look at verse 2 and ask yourself, do I pray like this for my friends? Beloved, dear friend, one that I love, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Those are beautiful words that you would pray that for somebody, that you would ask the Lord to give health and wellness and not only physical but spiritual health, that things would be going well with them and John says, Gaius, I love you and I'm praying these things for you. And that's been a challenge to me this week to think about my friends and to pray these sort of things for them. But then we see something else that's important in verse 3. John says, I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. And he doesn't give us a lot of instruction about who the brothers are. He doesn't go into detail. He doesn't give their name. But it's someone, there's a group of men that came and gave a good report to John. And we'll see uh, to the church that John is at. These brothers came and they gave a good report to John and to the church about Gaius. And when John heard this report about Gaius, he said, I rejoiced greatly. And then in verse 4, speaking in terms of a pastor, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And in Second John, we laid out clearly that the truth is the Word of God and the example of Jesus Christ. These things are both truth. The Bible tells us that these things are both truth. And so John says, as a pastor, when I hear that those that I've shepherded are walking in the example of Jesus Christ and walking in the Word of God, living out that example... I have no greater joy than that. And so here we see point one, very simple. John is writing to a personal friend whom he loves to commend him. That's, I know that seems very simple, Zach. That's not earth-shattering. But, but it's important that we recognize, it's important that we recognize that this is a personal letter, the personal nature of it. It's important that we recognize that he loves Gaius. And it's also important that we see that he is commending him for something. We see that in verse 3, and we'll see that again, that he's rejoicing and that he is praising Gaius. There's something that Gaius has done 
that John is really excited about. And so he wants guys to know that he's excited about it. And so here's how the sermon is going to lay out this morning. Three things we'll see. They're not very long. The first thing we'll see are who are the brothers that John mentions here. So we need to figure that out. We need to work with this text to find out who the brothers are. The second thing after we figure that out is we're going to figure out what Gaius did that made John so joyful. What Gaius did that, that they gave a good report about. What in the world was it that he did that John is so excited about that he wrote a letter? And then the last thing will be how does that apply to us? Right? How do we take the teaching that we see here between these two men and apply it to our life? So let's start with who are these brothers? Read with me verses 5 through 8 will be the remainder of our text for this morning. 3 John verse 5 says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do, and all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So there are several things that we see here about these brothers. They've already been mentioned. They're mentioned again here. And so the first thing that we see in verse 5 about these brothers is that they were strangers to Gaius. Now, why is it important that they were strangers? Because that helps us to understand that they were probably not local Christians. They probably didn't live in the same area as Gaius because if they did, he most likely would have known them. And so these are strangers that have traveled from out of town. When we put that together with what we see in verse 3, that they have came, come and give a report to John. And then we put that with what we see in verse 6, that not only did they give a report to John, but they gave a report before the church. We're starting to formulate these picture, uh, this picture of some men that were at the church that John's at, that left to go and do something. And then when they came back, gave a report about what they had done. Now, many of you have seen that at Mount Zion over the years, that we might send people on mission trips. They might go to places that we've commissioned them to go, and when they come back, they often give us a report of what they did, what took place, what went down while they were there. And so we're starting to see a picture of that here. We also see, as we go through the rest of this text, some words that would have been very specific for John and Gaius that aren't as specific for us, but I think we can understand them. In verses 6, 7, and 8, there are some descriptors that John uses of these brothers. He said that they, were, that they would be sent on their journey, that they have gone out for the sake of the name, and that's referring to the name of Jesus, right? For the name of Jesus, and in biblical times we know that a person's name was equated with the person, right? Whenever you thought of somebody's name, uh, it didn't just represent them, it made you think of them, Right, Y'all have had pastors uh, that have served here before, and if I were to say their name this morning, uh, it's not just a name. It's not just uh, Brother Tim. It's not just Brother Chris. Right? Whenever I say that, you think of those people, and you think of their personality, and, and it is personal to you. And so when these, these men have gone out for the sake of the name of Jesus, they've gone out for the sake of who Jesus is, and then probably the most clear one that we see in verse 8 is that they are referred to by John as fellow workers for the truth, or that if we are working with them, that we will be fellow workers for the truth. So these brothers are 
people that have been sent on their journey, that have left a church and returned to that church to give a report, that have gone out for the sake of the name of Jesus and that are workers for the truth. And so from that we formulate that the brothers refers to some Christian missionaries from John's church. That's who we're talking about here. John is talking about some men that his church had commissioned, that had gone, we had called them itinerant teachers. They went from place to place. They would stay there for a little while, and they would teach the people there for a little while, and they would move somewhere else, and they would teach those people for a little while, eventually going back to their home base. And so that's who we're talking about. So we know who the brothers are, but the next question is, what did Gaius do that made John so excited? What did he do for these Christian missionaries that made John so joyful? We see that. Look back at verses 5 and 6. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you would do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So, so whatever it is, it was something that is seen as faithful. He says a faithful thing you do, or, or Gaius, you have acted faithfully is the idea there. We see that he has made some efforts for these brothers that were strangers, these missionaries that have traveled to town. And we see that he has also showed them love, as it says, these brothers have testified to your love before the church. So when we start to think about this in this day and time and in this context, we know that these itinerant teachers, these missionaries left where they were and when they showed up in Gaius's hometown, even though they were strangers and even though he didn't know them well, there are some needs that they have that he has made efforts to meet in order to show them love. So what sort of things would that likely be? I'm somewhat speculating here. I'll be clear about that. But it's likely that Gaius gave them a place to stay while they were there. There were not holiday inns everywhere around, right? These men did not have a lot of funds. They did not take money from Gentiles. That's made clear in verse 7. And so these men probably needed a place to stay. These men probably needed a meal, right? Basic needs that you think, well, that's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal that you would let somebody stay at your house, but it is, isn't it? We're talking about strangers that have shown up to town. Oh, yeah, y'all come stay with us. Oh, yeah, come over. We'll cook some extra food. You can, you can come be with us. You can come eat with us this evening. And so point two, we see clearly what Gaius did that John is commending him for. Gaius was commended for having treated Christian teachers in a worthy manner. These men were Christian teachers, teaching the Word of God, sharing with lost people the gospel, the good news that's worthy to be shared. As Brother Dusty read for us earlier, the quote that, that Paul gave in Romans from Isaiah, that how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who share the gospel. How beautiful... People that would give of their time and their money and their lives to go to places where people don't know the truth of Jesus Christ and share that truth with those people. That people would, would give up everything that they might want to do where they are to go somewhere else so that people that are lost, that do not know that Jesus is God, but that He left heaven and came to earth. And that do not know that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, the only man to ever live without sin. And that He still 
died a criminal's death. A terrible, excruciating death, taking the punishment for sin while on the cross. So that every single person that would ever respond in faith would be saved from their sins. Would have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, that's something that's worth going and telling. Amen? That is the gospel. That is why the gospel literally means good news. That is the good news. And so these men that were giving up everything for a while to go and teach this, when they came to town, Gaius said, I don't know you, but you can stay at my house. I believe he said that. I don't know exactly who you are. We haven't met, but I'll feed you a meal. It's likely that Gaius also probably commended them to the local community so that others would support them. Those are the sort of things that men would have been expected to do for other Christian teachers in this day and time. And real quickly, I want to point out something that, that has really stood out to me this week about this. And, and if, if we're just looking at 3 John on its own, you could tell him, Brother Zach, that's really a stretch that you're trying to say that. But this is something that we learn by contrast. When you look at the contrast of 2 John with 3 John, it becomes very, very clear. Now, one other thing that I believe that Gaius did that would have been commendable is that Gaius most likely vetted these men to see exactly what it was that they were teaching, to see if they were worthy of supporting, to see if they were worthy of commending to the community. Now, why do I say that? If, you, if you're open to 3 John, you're probably open to 2 John as well. Look in 2 John, verse 10, right? We saw this uh, just recently, two weeks ago, before the power went out. We saw John talking about deceivers, false teachers, antichrists that have left the church and are teaching a false gospel. And in verse 10, he said, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways or in his wicked works. So, so John said there, if somebody comes to you and they're not teaching the truth, don't let them in your house. Don't offer them a meal. Don't praise them. Don't give them a good report. Don't give them any aid. Because if you do, you're taking part in the wicked things that they're doing. You're supporting the spread of a lie if you support these men that are teaching something contrary to the gospel. And so then in 3 John, whenever he says, Gaius, great job, you let somebody into your house. You gave them a meal. You supported their work. You are a fellow worker in the truth. Great job. That stands out. Because on one hand he says, these people do not let them in, do not support them. And over here he says, Gaius, great job letting them in and great job supporting them. And what's the only difference in the two? One was teaching a truth, the truth, and one was teaching a lie. So we have to be careful. We, have, we saw this, that's what we looked at at the end of 2 John. We have to be careful about who we're supporting. Just because someone is going to do aid work, just because someone says that they are a Christian missionary, we do not automatically support them. We have to make sure that they are teaching the truth. And a side note to the side note. It's one reason I'm very thankful in the Southern Baptist Convention for the International Mission Board, and for the North American Mission Board, who vet and train and prepare missionaries, 
who we support every time you put even a dollar in the offering plate here. It goes to support people all across North America. It goes to support missionaries all around the world. And how can you know for sure that those men are, and women are people teaching the truth? Because the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board do a great job of vetting them. And so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time going into that, but brothers and sisters, that gives us, the cooperative program gives us the opportunity to support people teaching the truth. To be fellow workers with them all around the world, even though we may not know them. But so Gaius here, Gaius is commended for supporting these Christian missionaries, right? That's the brothers are Christian missionaries. Gaius is commended for supporting them. The last question what does that mean for us? And that's where I want us to look again at verse 8. We'll finish there. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. John sounds a little bit southern there, doesn't he? I think he might say ain't in one of these letters. He said we ought to. Whenever that word's different, you don't see that a lot in Scripture. I started this week to give you the definition of that word and then I said to myself, self, they all know what ought to means. You ain't got to give them the definition of ought to. We all know what ought to means. When there are people that are going out for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ, when there are men and women that are going to share the gospel with a lost and dying world, and they are not taking money from lost people. They are not going to businesses in town and asking them to support them. What they are doing is asking that Christians would help them and help meet the needs that they have so that they could go and share the truth. And they are people that are teaching the truth. When you find people like that, 3 John 8 says, you ought to support them. It's what you ought to do. And, and this is where it's important to remember. I've been telling you the whole time, it's important to remember that this is a personal letter. This is a personal letter. But it's also important to remember, it's more important to remember, that this is also Holy Scripture. Right? This is John writing to a friend while being inspired by the Holy Spirit. These are John's words, and these are God's words. You ask me, Zach, are those John's words? Yes. Zach, are those God's words? Yes. And when God says, you ought to do something, the microphone has been dropped. And we ought to do it. There is no reason that we would argue with what God has told us to do. So brothers and sisters, God has given us news worthy of sharing in the gospel. He has given us brothers and sisters, some from our church, some that have served on staff here, some that we have raised up here. We have partners in New Orleans and in North Carolina and in Diamond Head, Mississippi that have been part of this church, members of this church that we have sent, that we have helped to commission. And yes, we do support them financially, but we don't need to stop there. You say, Brother Zach, what else could I do? What else could I do to help support them? Well, we'll find out when their birthdays are. Find out when their anniversaries are and send them a card. Let them know that you're thinking about that. Get, get a picture of them. 
and, and put it on your dinner table and rotate through them. And each night when your family sits down for a meal, pray. We're going to pray for uh, the Lauder family today. We're going to pray for the Cunninghams today. We're going to pray for the Reardons today. We're going to, we've got partners in Missoula, Montana, and in Dubai. and We're going to pray for this family today, and we're going to pray for this family today. Pray for them. Send them an email. Let them know that you're praying for them. But when you ask the question, why is that important? One, it's important because God's Word says we ought to do it, but also it's important because it says in verse 8 that when we support people like these, that we are fellow workers for the truth. Just like whenever you support a false teacher, you are supporting the ministry of spreading a lie. When you support teachers of the truth, you are supporting the spread of the gospel. So how can you... Help carry the gospel somewhere that you will never go. How can you help impact the eternity of individuals that you will never see on this earth? How can you take the truth to somewhere that you're not going to visit? Third John 8 says you can do that by supporting other people that are carrying the truth there. It's as if we are going to Missoula, Montana or to Dubai when we support these missionaries that are taking the gospel there. Point three, the very last point. We ought to support the work of faithful missionaries. We ought to do it. So I want to end by asking two rhetorical questions. And the first one would go to any of you that might be new here. To any of you that might not have thought about this in this light before. But my first question would be, are you walking in the truth? Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Because if you don't know him personally, then you don't really know the gospel. You may have heard the gospel, but you don't know the gospel. And if you don't know the gospel, you can't share the gospel. You can't teach somebody something you don't know. This whole thing started because John was excited. He loves Gaius in the truth. He's excited that Gaius is walking in the truth. And so I ask you, are you walking in the truth? Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Do you know the one that lived the perfect life and died the perfect death so that if you would respond in faith, you would be saved? If you don't, I would love to talk to you about that. Again, we're still not doing uh, invitation in, in the way that we used to or normally would, but, but you are still invited to reach out to me, and I would love to answer questions. And the invitation of Scripture is always clear. If you would respond in faith to Jesus Christ, you would be saved. So I pray if you haven't done that, that you would ask yourself, though, are you walking in the truth? And the second question is, if you are, if you're walking in the truth, are you supporting the work of faithful Christian missionaries as you ought to be doing? Are you helping spread the glorious gospel that deserves to be spread everywhere around the world, even places that you will never go? And so I'm going to give you a special opportunity to do this. I told the deacons in our deacon meeting this morning, I'm always excited when we can see something in Scripture and then directly put that into practice. Uh, and so this Wednesday night, uh, here in the sanctuary for prayer meeting, and I haven't talked to the RA and GA leaders. Uh, it's always dangerous whenever you start out like that. I haven't talked to them yet, but I thought maybe they would bring the RAs and GAs in with us. We'll talk to them later. If y'all see one of them, ask them. Um, but this Wednesday night, I want to introduce you to one of our partners, uh, ones that are serving in Dubai. I've reached out to them, and they've sent a family photo, 
uh, with the ages of them and their children and some information that I could share with you about where they are and what that context looks like, how you could connect with them, how you could support them. And so come Wednesday night. Come and join us for prayer meeting after we pray together corporately. We're going to look at that. I'll put the pictures up. I've got some videos of Dubai, where they're serving and what it looks like in their context. And you can know more specifically how to pray for them, how you can reach out to them, how you can support them in lots of ways other than just sending money. When I say support, that's not what I mean. There are a lot of other things that we can do for them. And so come, join us Wednesday night at 6.30, and we'll learn a better way, more specifically how we can do that. And we'll continue to do that in the days to come. I pray that the Lord would challenge us with His Word today. If y'all would, join me and let's pray. Father God, you are so good, Lord, that any of us here are walking in the truth. Father, that that you have allowed it to be shared clearly with us, that we have had parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or cousins or Sunday school teachers or pastors that have taught us your word. Lord, thank you for those individuals. Father, that you have helped us to, to understand our sin and our need for you. Father, that you have sent your Son so that when we would respond in faith, there would be a way that we could be saved from our sins and promised eternal life. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be saved. Thank you for giving us a gospel that's worthy of sharing and telling more than anything else we've ever heard. Father, thank you for calling men and women directly to the field to to give up their life as they knew it here to go all around the world to share the gospel. Lord, let us support, show us how we can support, strengthen us, call our hearts to support these brothers and sisters better than we are now. Lord, let us be missionaries that would carry the gospel, if not across the world, at least across the street, with everyone that we see, that we would share your truth. Father, thank you for continually challenging us by your word to be more like your son. Help us to respond faithfully and to do that through the power of your spirit that lives in us. Thank you for this wonderful time of worship we've had together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a couple of announcements before you go. We are going to have uh, a modified version of Trunk or Treat this year. Uh, If you haven't been to Trunk or Treat in like 12 years, then we're going to do Trunk or Treat just like you know it. Uh, But we are going to set up in the parking lot. This will be Wednesday night, October 28th, the Wednesday before Halloween. But we're going back. We're not going to have games. We're not going to have all those things set up, things that, that would be touched by somebody and somebody that comes after. We're just going to set up cars around the parking lot and give out candy. And so if you would be willing to do that, do that. And we're going to do this much like 3 John 8. If you can't come and bring your trunk to do that, but you want to take part in supporting the trunk or treat, then next Sunday bring some candy. And you can drop that off here at the church, and maybe somebody can bring their trunk. You could help give some candy through them. So even if you can't come, there's a way for you to take part in that. Also help us spread the word about that. Uh, We do have an extended session sign-up list. If you would, uh, please uh, sign up for that if you're willing. We want to get extended sessions started back up, but we're just waiting. Right now, the only thing we're holding on is to make sure that we have enough volunteers to do that week in and week out. So if you would be willing to sign up for that sign-up, or if you have questions, you can contact myself or Miss Lauren Smith, and she will get you the information that you need. 
Finance committee, if you could stick around for just a moment after the service. Uh, Brother Derek needs to meet with you down front. That'll be a brief meeting. And then only other thing is, again, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, Miss Jan is working on a list for us that we'll have uh, by this Wednesday of all of our previous pastors that are still living that we can get into contact with, uh, with their addresses. So there are thank you notes on the back table at the far back to your left. There's an assortment. You can choose the one that you would like and get an envelope that goes with it. But go ahead and take that with you today. Don't wait until we get the addresses. Take one of those thank you notes with you and write a thank you note to a previous pastor. If you haven't gone here long, uh, write it to a previous pastor from another church. But write something personal. A sermon or teaching that stood out to you. Sometime that they were at a funeral or at the hospital that meant a lot to you or your family. Write that on there and let's send it to those men so that we could thank them for the work that they've done as pastors uh, of yours in the past during the month of October. Uh, we have our shoe boxes here and in the foyer. Please take those. The deadline for those to come back is coming up quickly. If you don't like to shop and would like to support that ministry, you can give money to help ship them or for items that could be shopped for. You can give that money to Miss Jan uh, if you would like to support it in that way. Any other questions, comments, announcements I've missed? All right, if not, y'all stand and let's be dismissed by prayer. Father God, thank you for revealing your glory to us in your Son and in your Word. Lord, help us to constantly worship you because you're worthy of our worship every day. Help us to share this glorious gospel with everyone we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.